Hello and welcome. Coming to you from Site S4 near Area 51. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And uh, that green goo, that was food, right? No, no, that was an experiment. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Experiment? Anyway, this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. So anybody that followed Instagram, follows our Instagram, at Geek ETC Podcast on Instagram, they saw that I had a couple stories a couple, uh, about a week ago. Okay. And I was in my, so for those who are from the U.S., the FAA Drone 107 School. So the FAA Part 107 Drone School. So I was learning about the, the rules and regulations for that so I can How to fly one. No, not even. No, no. Like where you can fly it, where you can do things with it. Oh, just the legality aspects behind it. Because you have to take a test. You have to, so you have to take a test to be able to fly a drone and make money from it or anything like that. Like say you want to go do real estate pictures, right? And you're going to make money for that. Oh, I You you are subject to FAA rule part 107 and you have to know the rules and guidelines that go along with that. So it's actually kind of, really interesting i put up have you seen aeronautical charts before you 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 showed me that one uh the other day that's right yeah that doesn't make any sense it is so silly it is so silly and when i'm reading it they're like well we'll post a photo to one uh, we'll post yeah Yeah. like like the one near dallas is just a real cluster but there's um it's so crazy because they ask you these questions. They give you they give you a test booklet with like figures, like with, with like different pictures of different aeronautical charts and like some charts and everything. To when you go take the test, which drum roll please, I passed. Oh, so, what I passed, I passed the uh, FAA exam. So, dude, congrats! I've, I've got that. I'll get my airman number. But the, one of the things I've been thinking about is that'll lead us to, you know, we've talked about Brown Mountain Lights. Right. Not too long ago in one of our episodes, check that one out because Josh and I have a lot of personal experience if you're just now joining us. But if we ever want to actually go up there and maybe do it now, I did get some bad news that the national parks are like no fly zones. Really? But I can file a request in like a flight plan within 90 days of doing it. And get approval. Oh, from so like, you can uh, file a thing to try and get approval to like, hey, you know, we within these 90 days, I'm going to like, I would like to fly this in this area. Is that okay? Yes, exactly. So that would make that. So the chances that like, A, getting a drone, B, them being able to go fly it and maybe like getting some cool overhead views or some like stuff at nighttime, which mm-hmm. nighttimes, uh, you know, will be kind of interesting because you'll have to like have like anti-collision lights that are visible from three statute miles. That's a test question, y'all. Oh. Uh, so if you're studying, you're welcome. <laughs> but that's that's one of the things. It's I mean, not cheating. It's taking full advantage of the situation. Well, you have to, man. You have to. Like I watch so many YouTube videos on it on top of going to a class taught by a guy that owns a drone instructor program, right? Right. And we flew, we threw, we flew drones the last day for the little bit just as like a familiarization. And there are some crazy ones out there, especially those search and rescue drones. Like uh, one's called the DJI M30. Oh my God. It's not that big. The you DJI, know? DJIs. Yeah. Yeah. The, the M30 yeah. specifically. I got to fly that one a little bit and pretty crazy. Like 200 times optical zoom with FLIR and infrared, different things. And Right. The videos I've seen of those are insane. Like the capabilities of them. Like it, it is straight up future tech. And they're not that loud either. Like they're once you send that thing up like at 200 feet in the air, which is legit 
realistically not that high. It's, yeah, it just kind of disappears a little bit. The, yeah, it kind of just like disappears into the periphery. And I'm sure with things like that too, they're always like, you know, developing blade technology so that, you know, they're like, it still provides the same amount of lift, but they're like slightly different angles and stuff. So it like, uh, I know Apple did this with the fans in their laptops. Mm. That they staggered like the the way that the blades are angled so that it eliminates sound. Some it's some kind of like a resonance frequency or something. Well, that's very clever. Congratulations to the engineers at Apple. Indeed, and and DJI because wow, what a masterpiece that thing was. It was very impressive, very crazy uh, to think about all the like the applications it can have. You could track people and vehicles on it. Like you could like it would bring up on the screen and you could like hit a button and it would like the the gimbaled camera would automatically just focus on that person That's and scary. stay follow. It, it is kind of crazy because you're like what if the, if you can do that with a DJI Mini Thirty, which it does cost like hmm, I think it was twenty something thousand dollars. Jeez, but what can you do with like a fifteen million dollar satellite? You right. Know? Exactly. That gives you a little insight onto you know they always say you know the satellites they can read your license plate and all this stuff they can do more than that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They read the nutrition facts on the candy bar you're eating. Which is probably, you know, I probably sparked half the debate for changing a lot of that stuff. You know, they're like, why is he always eating like Reese's M&M's or whatever? <laughs> Peanut butter M&M's. I go, always go with Reese's pieces. Reese's? No, I don't think so. I, yes. No, 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 no. We all have this debate. We'll go over our top 10 candies. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So there's nothing wrong with Reese's Pieces, to be fair. There's nothing wrong with Reese's Pieces. You're right, because it's the best candy. It is very good. But the problem is, is you don't get as much. I wish I don't get as much peanut butter out of it as I do the m M&M and I feel like it would be too Reese's. much peanut butter. Well, how do I make my sandwiches, though? How, you make your sandwiches, right? Half Even, and half. Evenly split. I don't. I'm a man. You know, I'm a, I'm. I'm my masculinity, my masculinity, my masculinity is tied to the amount of peanut butter, and so if you've ever looked at the serving size, it's like is that man. how you got so strong? All the tons of peanut butter that you've eaten <laughs> through your life, probably. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot probably. of protein. Well, the, you know, it's like a tablespoon, right? Tablespoon is supposed to be the uh, the serving size of peanut butter, and even then, it's like two hundred and thirty calories or something silly like that for right. like one tablespoon. Like if you're just doing Jif, but I. I do like one big, like a huge uh, butter knife full of peanut butter. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, just a little bit more, you know? Just just a little bit. And then a just, just a little jelly, you know, like a, probably what you would put like on, on a sandwich for jelly on the other slice just to help it wash down. Oh, just enough to, yeah, kind of, you get a little bit of a taste and kind of smooth it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're mostly, so you're making a peanut butter sandwich with jelly. No, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, yeah. but for you, that's what you would call it, yeah. Okay. But me, I'm a man, so I eat more <laughs> peanut butter than you, if That's son. how you want to classify it. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, but anyway, so drifting a little bit off topic, so the, the, the UAS's, as Small Unmanned Aerial System or whatever it's called, that exam was hard. Um, it's like 60 questions. I had to go to a testing center. So, like, you know, you do the class or whatever. You, I guess you could just go pay the $150 or whatever to go take the class somewhere mm. or to, to just go take the test without doing a class. But I did the class, did all the hands-on, learned from the guy, you know, who's teaching it. And he was, you know, cool guy, older dude. He had some, like, search and rescue experience and was showing some of his pictures from that. But going through that and then going to the test. So the test, apparently, there's, like, a pool of, like, 700 questions, and they pull 60 of those out. And so it's like impossible to learn like all the things you need to learn kind of. Mm. And that was kind of annoying. Like, and then I have to do math, you know, like it's like 
if your whatever pound drone takes this angle of bank on like a turn, like what would be the if two trains hit one departs from Boston and one departs from New York, it, one's in this speed and one's at that speed. Well, it's like, you know, there's, there is a chart. So it's like, well, it, so it's not that hard. And they, they have a calculator built into the test. And, you know, well, luckily, because I cannot do math at all, but the, you know, it's like 1.154. This is the elephant never forgetting right here. Right. The, the numbers is like the, is what you would multiply the number by. And that would come out to be a, um, the, like the, how much force is exerted hmm. on your UAV or whatever. Right. That's it's, interesting. It's nuts, man. It's crazy how cool things are. You know, we talked about them a lot. Um, we talked about on, in the Brown Mountain Lights, we talked about drones a little bit and how they weren't that ubiquitous when we went up there. Right. And it, and FAA has only instituted those rules, like this FAA, like requirement to get your part 107, like, you know, you, you unmanned aerial vehicle license, uh, like in 2018. So hmm. very interesting. Like it's crazy how much stuff goes into it. There was like a little bit of it, you know, like I grew up doing like flight simulators on the computer. That's yeah. like one of the few things we had at my house on, on PC. We had like a Jane's defense group, which is like a, Oh, there's Jane's. It was like a series of things, wasn't it? They did. So Jane's Defense Group is actually like a military contractor that does like they're kind of like an open source intelligence thing. Like they put together like oh different you know this is what this tank does. This is what this gun can do for like different you know independent um, nations or whatever. And right. they had a, their own flight sim that was called Jane's Fighter Anthology. And so it had all of these planes in it, like all these different planes, and you could go do all these different missions. And so I grew up with my brother playing that some, you know, and it was kind of cool because I would do like, you know, 10 on 10, like, you know, fighter, dogfight right. things. I had some, like, I don't remember what it was called, some basic little uh, fighter jet game on the family PC way back in the day. I don't remember what it was, but I remember you could, like, uh, drop a nuke. That's yeah. the only thing I remember from it, and it was it was pretty cool. But there, there was no nukes in this, but you could yeah. do ground targets, like you know, like oh, the Maverick missile would like it, it was an air to ground missile, and then there was like you yeah. know, aim nine sign winders and different things that were like air to air missiles and stuff. And I, I, for a moment, I checked out that Microsoft, the new Microsoft Flight Simulator, because it's like free, isn't it? Yeah, it's on it's on uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, but that game is looks insane, like it looks oh, real. Yeah. And like the the maps that they had that they use they use I think they use Bing maps obviously it's Microsoft mm -hmm. but yeah some of the maps and stuff on there are crazy <laughs> and all the planes but I I I don't think I even got off the ground yeah because of the f like startup flight things you have to do to yeah. turn on the plane yeah and I was just trying to do it on like I, I don't know if I tried it on PC or if it was Xbox the one I tried I think it was on PC because there were so many buttons that I, I couldn't figure out even to even like make the plane go so. I may try it again later on Xbox with more simple, more flight, simple controls. flight controls. Yeah, that or if, if I could get a Hotas set up for the PC. Oh yeah, then I'd like to try that. But I also want to try that with Star Citizen. But that's another. Discussion. Oh my God, Star Citizen! I loaded that up the other day. Did you? I'll have to show you some of that later. Ooh, okay. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, very interesting. You know, I like that kind of thing. So it was interesting to see like some of the things like runway numbers. You know, like they mm -hmm. they have to do like the runway number itself apparently has to do with like the orientation to magnetic north, right? So like runway runway thirty five will be you traveling in a three hundred and fifty degree. So you like add a zero to it. So that would be like oh. so runway zero nine would be would be you'd be traveling from, you know, you would actually be traveling from the west to the east. Right. In a 90 degree, like on 
the pathway to like 90 degrees okay. or whatever. I see what you're saying. So th- just lots of little things like that. It was kind of interesting. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so if you do want to get your FAA part 107 or you want to make money and not get a $15,000 fine from doing your, um, from like just flying a drone and making money off of it. Your wedding but, photography or something. Well, they they made an example out of some like YouTuber and they charged him like 15 or $20,000 per, per video that he was making money off of. That kind of reminds me very similar of like if anybody who's into ham radios and stuff, you know, they may just oh, get yeah. a, you know, a little uh, Chinese bow fang, you know, just play around with and listen in on stuff and talk on it or whatever. That will get you into like deep trouble. It's like $10,000 automatically, right? If you mess around. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with hams, they're so plugged into that stuff and know that stuff so well that there's been many instances of someone who was doing that, just like chatting on things unlicensed and very seasoned professional hams are able to figure out what towers they're bouncing off of and triangulate them and go. To, they went to their house and like threatened them, like <laughs> don't do this anymore, or we're turning you over to like the FCC. Good. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe yeah. not good. I don't know. I mean, I guess it is good that people just can't get on there. Yeah, get on there willy nilly because it's just a free thing, yeah. and people do use that for. Granted, it, they, there's an exception in like in state of emergencies and stuff like if there's a hurricane or natural disaster yeah. or something, then you can go on there for emergency only purposes. Yeah, there's always like some emergency. You can also just take the test, which is like. 20 or 40 questions or something and get certified. Well, so, so are we broadcasting on ham radio? Not. We're not on any frequency. No. Could we? Technically. Hmm. Probably. That'd be interesting. Cause how else are people going to find out how to join our crew? Mm, That's a good point. Maybe because if those people are only listening to their things, they wouldn't be on a podcast probably listening to us mm. as we talk about They'd our Patreon They'd probably be things. missing out on all the cool benefits you can get from joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekETCpodcast. Apparently, a stowaway is like $1 a month. Which, it is. Uh, which it, and you, now that I've done the class, I'm a little bit better at math. $1 a month. That's the see, Carrie. The, we, the, <laughs> same <laughs> joke. We did the same joke. It's $12 a year. Yeah, so. It is. It Which just, is like nothing. If you, you know, have, that's what, one cup of coffee now? No, my so. God, no. That's way less than a cup. $12, are you talking about $12 for the whole year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like 12 bucks. 12 like, bucks, yeah, it's probably like, yeah, of... that's definitely like one thing from Starbucks. Um, <laughs> not but, to give up your coffee for us for buying me. And we're not, listen, we're not money hungry. It just, we spend a lot of, we spend money trying to like make sure we sound good and being able to put things out there. So if you do enjoy it and you do want to give back, it's obviously not, you know, this is not something, a subscription-based thing. Yeah. But, but if you want to give back to us, consider joining the crew. We've got different we've got different things you can get from Patreon, and it also keeps us from having to like hit you with a bunch of stupid ads. Right. Other that, than that's just the main us. thing is uh, there's a you know anybody who's beholden to ad companies and all this. I was listening to a podcast today that was talking about that that anybody beholden to ads and all this stuff. You know they essentially can control your show. And we don't what want you that. talk about and what platforms you're on and all this sort of stuff. And then on top of that, you know having to just stop what you're talking about to talk about something completely unrelated for 30 seconds but yeah they kind of have a power over you and we don't want that no you know we want to be beholden to you the listener yes and bring you what you want to listen to not what some pillow company or you know (laughs) uh 
I don't know. I can't think of Royal else. match. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no, for sure. So, yeah. you know, just like Josh is saying, if you're interested, if you want to do it, if you like what we're putting out there, please consider just uh, joining the crew. Uh, there, we do. The other the good thing is you actually get additional benefits from that, a.k.a. Yeah. watching our gameplay. Josh and I have a series called Co-op Therapy, where it's just kind of us goofing around on different games and kind of chit-chatting. And so, yeah, we'll probably have some uh, more episodes of that up here for too long. So be on the lookout for that. My computer can't run Star Citizen. So well, mine can't. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> really kidding. well. Well, mine's so. the one that we record all this on and it, it's beefy, but it's it still can't even hardly keep up with that. Yeah. So please consider joining the crew. We would love to have you and uh, we'd love to give some shout outs uh, from some of our fans. So and also have some feedback for you if you want us to talk about anything or whatever, where you've got lots of options down the road. Uh, yeah. but you know, speaking of crews, you know, who sometimes what we assume like operate in crews, um, and goldfish. No, I think that's a murder. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think a murder, a murder, a murder of, gold, of goldfish. Murder of goldfish. <laughs> um, Josh, you know what we're geeking out about this week? I do, but why don't you tell the listeners? We're geeking out about aliens. Oh my goodness. Cue the X-Files music. So Josh and I, we, we, we briefly spoke about UAPs. I think, what was it, our Hogwarts episode? Mm. I don't remember. It could have been, though. I think it was. We, were, yeah. we, we briefly spoke about UAPs. And so this is like kind of diving into the paranormal again. And we're talking about aliens. And I think every person should talk about it. I think everybody, every person should kind of like look into, like look at themselves and saying, well, what is out there? Right. What exists outside of my living room, out of my outside of my bedroom? Yeah. What's this, this is a very big it's a very big world we live on. Huge. Most of which has never been explored, especially the oceans. Because the oceans make up the majority of the planet. Yeah, so there's only been like a percentage explored. And then you expand the scope beyond that to our solar system. If our world is this big, our solar system is infinitely more bigger. More bigger? More bigger. Yeah, it's, it's infinitely, infinitely larger. And then you get into our our local cluster, yes. right? So then you get a local cluster of multiple solar systems. Yeah. Right? Then you have the Milky Way, and then you go, go beyond that. Andromeda, so. Alpha Centauri, those areas, right? And then we go into your, our actual galaxy itself, or Milky Way is our galaxy. Yeah, Milky Way. Milky Way is the entire galaxy. So it really does, it's one of those things that like I think about often, Whenever I'm outside and we, I don't have any light pollution at my house, I look oh, up at right. the sky. Yeah, I'm jealous of that. I look up at the sky and I say, I wonder if I'm seeing the swan song of a planet, you know, of like a long dead race as their sun burns out into nothingness. Well, that's and the thing. We is, will never know about them and we'll never know what they were about. Right. We'll never hear their poetry. We'll never see what they look like. We'll never understand them. You know, because if we're looking up in the sky and something's 200,000 light years away. Yeah, then most of we're what looking you, at anytime you look up in the sky, you're looking at the past. You are. You, the, we are time travelers. Yeah, you could very well be looking at a star or, or entire cluster stars that doesn't even exist anymore. Nothing around anymore. Which is kind of hard to fathom. Yeah. But that's, that's, you know, that's the science behind it is there's so many light years away and it takes, you know, a light year for anyone who doesn't know is how, uh, you know, it's a, me- it's a measure of distance. As opposed to time, how far light can travel over the course of a year. Yes. And so for, first off, Josh and I are not physicists and we are not scientists. No. And 
Um, I got a D, I think, in science. I got A's in science. That was kind of my thing, but... I was good at it, too. I just, I never did my homework. Right. That's how I was in English. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, understand that there's probably some stuff that we're going to say that's a little bit wrong, but we, we, we want to discuss it. This is, most of the stuff we talk about is from a layman's perspective. There are some things that Josh and I have specific expertise in. Right. But we're, um, we're talking from a, you know, a place of it's something we have an interest in that intrigues us. Just like if you guys were, we were all at a restaurant and we're chit-chatting about a fun topic. Indeed. So when I think aliens, you know, everybody goes to, I think one of the first places somebody goes to in their head and it's almost like programmed in there is like Area 51, Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah, the, this, the typical what you would call the grays. Yes, big head, little eyes, little yes, mouth, no skinny nose. body, sh- short little green, the, the small green men, you know, that you've seen. Yeah. Um, that's typically, yeah, like you said, where, you know, people's minds go to. So I, I have to ask the, the, the op, like the, um, the question is, is, Josh, do you think that we, our planet, past, present, um, has been visited by an extraterrestrial race? That is a very interesting question. Because part of my opinion is that not only have we possibly been visited, but maybe we are the visitors. Okay, that's what <laughs> what, I, what what I was really, what went through my head was like, what if Josh just like started unzipping his, <laughs> his, his like his skin suit, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, I reach under my chin and start to pull the stuff back. <laughs> oh my start god! Making noises. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting. I'd be friends with an alien. Hey, so you think that we might be the that, visitors? So, or, or at least the case that there could be things here, either in the past or that are still here, that have been here long before humanity as we know it as, okay you know the whatever you know variant of pithecus that we are yeah or sapien was sapien, whatever you know it may be kind of deal um very well very, very well could be yeah that there was things that have long lived here before our civilizations that we know it i've seen so what you're talking i have seen some things in the past where it's more um some people believe that like we came here from mars I've seen some things like that where like uh, the Martian uh, climate and everything got so bad and the world was becoming destroyed. And so people came here mm. uh, like humanity. Interesting. I don't really, I'm privy. I'm not really, yeah. it's not something I think about. Isn't there a new Adam driver movie coming out with like that exact premise? There's, <laughs> there's one called 65. I think that's literally there's dinosaurs. It's, it's just arc survival. Probably. I don't, Oh, I think that's what it is. I think like, it's like, humanity visiting earth for the first like oh the, really yeah so i, I think it, i've only seen it in uh uh ads before youtube videos so i haven't ever actually you watched, never finished it yeah. i never watched the trailer all the way i just skip it so all right so there we have it guys josh believes that we are in an adam driver movie no, no i don't not at all hopefully not um that is really crazy i think that's um that would be really interesting what, what are some things that you might think have been here before because well, there's um lots of Lots of theories and stuff behind, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the concept of extraterrestrials. Yes. There's another theory um, referring to the thought behind these things being intraterrestrial, meaning that they are essentially not from outer space, but potentially, you know, from within our oceans. So that that wouldn't be alien at all at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there, that's an interesting uh, thing to differentiate the difference between alien and you know, extraterrestrial. Native. Alien and native. Thing. Yeah, so, well, alien would be just somebody not from, you know, somebody not from here, something not from here. 
So right. you're saying you so you think that there might be some like native or like highly advanced civilization that has existed or exists currently? Or even some kind of creatures like there's you know, if you ever you take octopus or octopi. Cephalopods. Cephalopods, for example. You look at them, they you know, if there is a great example of a you know, something close to an alien life form in the oceans, they're pretty dang close to it. For one, you know, they're able to camouflage themselves seamlessly and can, you know, change colors, become translucent sometimes. They are obscenely smart. You know, they're able to solve puzzles. They're able to open jars and climb in and seal themselves back up type of things. And and then you look at them too and or them are like jellyfish and they look almost like a single-celled organism. Like you don't see a brain in there. You don't see anything, but they're still intelligent somehow. And it's just, it's just very, I don't know, very intriguing to me. If we lived underwater, though, would they look as weird as like a, maybe a snake um, or like imagine a dolphin seeing a giraffe for the first time, you know, right. when all they've seen is like a horse on the I beach. guess the things like with, with those, though, you know, you if you were to dissect them, you know, you'll find very common similar things. You'll see, you know, a brain and a spinal cord and bones and, and muscles and, and all that same. sort. it may be in, you know, elongated or in different shapes, possibly. But then you go to see, again some things like jellyfish or octopi or something, and it just it's completely different. Well, yeah, well, it, they they are carbon based though, and that's one of exactly. the that's one of the key things. You know, sometimes I wonder, yeah. you know, when I do think on those things like carbon based life forms, what if there's a possibility there could be silicate silicate well based life forms? A theory that I've that that I've actually heard uh, Joe Rogan mention many times on his show the theory that, you know, the sightings of aliens and stuff, or even people's accounts that they've interacted with them, you know, in abduction cases and stuff, that they theorize that they're just us from the future. So that that is interesting. That's almost like, you know, uh, what's the snake that's eaten itself? Like the... The Ouroboros? Or, Ouroboros or kind of thing, yeah. where they're like coming back. I've I've heard that before. Because so here's, here's one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up when we were talking about this. What it, time is so vast, mm -hmm. right? And because we see it from like a human perspective, it's so easy for us to think, well, because we've, you know, we, we're just a blip, mm -hmm. that we're just a blip in the universe, but we're not, we're not right. We are very present. We've been present on this earth for, for a while, right? Yes. So what if we are the first species to ever be here what if we're the first sentient species in the entire universe it is as possible for me that we are the first sentient species in the universe mm -hmm. as we are the millionth that kind of also correlates which is something we may talk about in a later episode the whole kind of uh simulation theory mm -hmm. sort of thing that you know we very well could be in in the, the simulation thing and or we could be the people who invent it. Well, just like I said, you know, yeah. like just like now, somebody is seeing the swan song. You know, somebody is seeing not the swan song because right now, thank God, but somebody is seeing our sun being our sun's light is being carried for light years on, and people there. Right. Are, if we were on another planet in another cluster solar system, you would be seeing those things. You would be seeing the light from Sol, our sun. Yeah, there could be somebody on another distant planet far enough away that, you know, we're not aware of them, but still close enough that they could see our sun. They could be 
essentially seeing light from our sun, you know, a, a million, ten thousand years from now. Ten thousand years from now. Ten thousand years yeah. from now. Long the after the same light that we see away. when we look up right now. You know, the sun it, for us is only ninety three million miles away, so light gets here fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, then something gets ten thousand light years away, they could still see the same light that we see today as we look up, but 10,000 years from now. 10,000 years from now. And who knows what the human race will be doing 10,000 years from now. Right. We very might well not be here. We might, you know, have advanced, you know, with the advancement of uh, um, body augmentations and integration with technology and that kind of stuff that, you know, we may have advanced as a civilization to these silicate life forms that... You're, the you're, Cylons were about. built by man, but they rebelled. Indeed. Um, are you familiar with the Fermi Paradox? I've heard about it, but I, I can't recall off the top of my head what the whole deal of it, it was. It was proposed by a physicist named Enrico Fermi, an okay. Italian guy who became a naturalized U.S. citizen, right? And he worked on the Manhattan Project. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he had this theory, like, because it's so vast, it makes sense there will be life out there, but why haven't we seen it? And there's lots of solutions. One of the things I think he proposed in one of the more frequent, like, proposals, like, solutions to the Fermi paradox is, like, any... Um, species, when it reaches like a nuclear age, will inevitably destroy itself. Mm, right, right. Ergo, they'll never become like, you know, an advanced civilization capable of space travel or traveling to more outside of their solar system, let alone, you know, traveling to other parts of the galaxy, traveling outside of the galaxy right. or colonizing. Beyond the scope of their own kind of existence. Yes. Kind of thing. So I think that's an interesting one. One that I've been, that I've been interested in recently, and it's kind of like part of, there's a book by... I don't want to say his name wrong, like Shijin Lu. He's a he's a Chinese author. It's mm. like the three body problem. It's a sci-fi book. Is um and some of his stuff goes into this a little bit. And that's the dark forest theory. Are you familiar with that at all? Mm. You got to bring him dropping a lot of theories on me that sound familiar, but I don't. You're the one talking about cephalopods. True. Well, um. So the dark. Tell me about it though. The dark forest theory is kind of one of those that the the galaxy. We'll t- we'll take the galaxy, right? We'll just we'll talk about the Milky Way itself. Okay, is a dark forest. Good candy bar. It is dark forest at nighttime. <laughs> okay, right. There are hunters. There are hunted, and none of them want to give away their presence. Mm, right. Okay. Just like the jaguar in a rainforest doesn't announce his presence before or her presence before it strikes. So does the prey that doesn't want to be heard and is stalking quietly. And it makes sense that there would be very little presence or very little communication or we wouldn't, people might have noticed uh, other peoples, other civilizations might have know of our presence, but they don't know if we're, hunt, if we're the hunter or the hunty. Right. And to expose themselves puts them at risk oh, of calling so. out, like lighting a fire in the dark force. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of scary with me is because we are, I think we're, we're sending president's ashes into space right now. Mm-hmm. We've sent out things all over the place. Sent, I mean, we sent those golden discs. We sent those golden discs that out. That have like all the, at least at the time, you know, all the pertinent information. They had coordinates to where we are as a, you know, species into our goal, our galaxy yeah. and our solar system, you know, like, I, I don't remember what I was on, but there's like a ton of scientific information and mathematics and, yeah. All like our that, DNA our, chain. Yeah, DNA, exactly. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Imagine if you were the hunter 
maybe let's so let's go with like hmm, this is just total like you know theory right this is just me talking this isn't even going into like yeah just throwing stuff out against the wall imagine you were a hunter and you are an entity that destroys things kind of like independence day or something like that Mm, right malevolent malevolent you take over you take over things you use it you abuse it you move on you mine its for its resources or any kind of valuables whatever yeah and you move on to the next thing so in the likelihood, A, that these tiny little golden disks would be found in the vast vacuum of space, right? Mm-hmm. And that they, let's say they dink into some ship, right? right? And they look at it and they say, they gave us their DNA code? Okay. <laughs> well, let's just send a virus down that kills every single living human being right. on the planet. I have something that immediately cuts this DNA in half and just drops it instantly. It makes me think that sometimes we're not, we, we're I think every human like being in the time that they've lived has thought that they're the smartest. Obviously they were right. They were always like, we're the smartest people who ever lived. Right. right. We are right now. We're the smartest people who ever lived. We, 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 a lot of humanity assumes, you know, we're in the most advanced stage of humanity that has ever existed in all of time. But the, there is a likelihood that in 200 years, somebody will watch an F-22 Raptor flying at Mach 4, Mach 5, mm-hmm. through the same lens that we watch the slow motion or the, you know, like the black and white grainy, no audio footage of the Wright brothers on hey, Kitty Hawk. Kitty Hawk, yeah. Right? It'll be right. the same level of advancement. And if you take into account the kind of domino effect of the advancements of technology and how that mm-hmm. continually builds on itself and gets quicker and quicker, you know, that was... Know how many you know hundred years ago whatever, and from there to where we are now, you know, and we may be at that next equivalent jump in fifty years, yeah, and then from there twenty five years kind of thing. So yeah, even in fifty years, it may look like that. So and it does seem to compound on itself some. Yeah. So that's the question. So if if I think we should, I'd like to focus on some actual Fermi paradox things, like as their standalone thing. Okay. And this is just us kind of like on the broad topic of, and I think we'll do deep dives later. Or there's a things. lot of particular cases and instances around the whole extraterrestrial thing. That I think we cover some of those I'd today. I'd like to dive into. I think some we of cover some of those today. Yeah. I think it's interesting to me though, that we are on a floating ball. Realistically, that's, that's pretty well stocked full of things. And a new shepherd might feel that they could take care of the flock better than us. Mm. Right, and a new hunter might see us as like a, a you know, perfect food source or whatever, or energy source, energy of some source, kind. yeah. Right. I think that we are we are so excited to be out there, and we do these things. And a, do we even know? We don't know. I didn't see them put the golden discs on there. I didn't send them and see them spend the outer true. space. You know, the the moon landing. You know, is did it happen? Did it not? Yeah, there's a lot of debate and a lot of evidence pointing both ways on that one for sure. Could they make it past the uh, the the Kepler radiation belt or whatever it's called? Right, right. You know that apparently is a big issue. Mm. I don't know. I don't know any of that. I'm like I said, D in science, but we have you and I, the the casual citizen mm-hmm. of the United States of America, have no say in what goes out there. We have no say in how we would deal 
with extraterrestrials, how we would deal with a perceived alien threat, how we would deal yeah, with... That if something did show up, yeah, how would we... How would we handle that? How would we communicate? You know, would we respond with aggression or, you know, peace treaties? Because it is, it is kind of like an interesting dichotomy because we seem to be very militant towards things like that. Mm. Right? We do. Well, there's, but we also put out there, the science community seems to be like, hey, guys, you know, kind of like Ralph or whatever from Simpsons are like, hey, oh, you know, yeah. like come, it's us. Right. And then if somebody comes in and then we're like, Fox One, fire missiles. Yeah, could fire the cannons. Any any kind of like most of the portrayal that you see in either movies, TV shows, or even just you know this recent talk about you know UAPs and all this stuff, all of it as is touted and perceived as potential threats, and that's why there's so much attention being brought to a lot of stuff like this lately. Is you know the potential for national security or this or that or whatever, and you know again all of media, it's all typically portrayed as it's some you know, hostile thing coming in to abduct people and probe them and, you know, take our cattle and all that kind of stuff. So it's often portrayed as threats, which I'm not necessarily a fan of. I'm not either. I'm not a huge fan of like the threat of it, but man, is it, is it a, if someone could travel through the stars. So when we talk about, you know, traveling through the stars anyways, right. Some, a, it would have to be like a sleeper ship. Right. Imagine this thing a ship that's manned by AI completely. Yes. Cryogenically frozen to, to withstand long journeys. Or somebody that's developed a, a, a capability, A, of faster than light you know, travel, or knows how to utilize like wormholes or shortcuts right. to get to us. Then we have to take into account that our, our, our solar system's not the 2D model that we look at. In science class. No, no. It is a rotating it's very spiral. Yeah. It is a rotating spiral on like a 3D axis that is hurtling through space. Right. Right. So if you, you know, if we beam somewhere else and then beam back to the exact position, we might be thousands of, you know, we might be a much further yeah, you behind. Don't realize, but yeah, but the we might even be on Earth anymore. The Earth is moving through space. I don't remember if it's like 83,000 miles an hour or it's fast. It's some. You know, arbitrary number that the sun know, is pulling us along on this big journey. Yeah. And we have, you know, if you were to jump and detach from Earth's gravity for like a moment in time, we all yeah, you Doppler just, effect, we'd yeah, be well without the sound, but yeah, we would be done. We would, yeah, be, you would just disappear. Exactly. It'd be like jumping off, like jumping up on a train or something like that. Right. The train would leave us behind. Technically, would, with, if you jumped up on a train, you'd already have forward momentum. And so you would continue on for a little bit. That's, you know. No, you'd you'd go back. No. I think. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but that being a point, yes, yeah, time and distance and spatial. Um, I'm trying to think of it like, our how we exist in space and time is still very much unknown. It, yeah, we don't know. No. They, there are theoretical physicists, right? Theoretical means they just think about it and they propose things, but we don't yes. know. A theory is not truth or, you know, we look at proven. when we look at string theory, you know, st the string theory is very interesting, but what if in that same lens, when we talk about the Wright brothers, right, we talk about some hocus pocus man, right, right in that Roman empire versus today's modern surgeons, right? right? What if in the future someone says, 
Well, they got string theory, but they're missing the entire curtain of other things that are there. Yes. Right, which is entirely possible. I just think it's one of the, we have to be cautious as we move through what we're going to run into and how we portray ourselves and what we, you know, as a warring, you know, thing. People might see us and say, well, man, they, they don't even need the planet. They're going to blow it up. We kind of need the resources. Right. They might not even be a hostile thing. They might be one of the prey trying to escape one of the hunters in the dark forest. Or they may, you know, be just trying to warn us of our own destruction and keep us from destroying ourselves. Well, we don't do that, though. If you think about it ourselves, like right now, right, if when we watch ant colonies... I was going to mention the ant colonies. If we watch an ant colony fighting another ant colony, nobody sends a thing to them. Nobody, they don't, we don't go to them and say, ants, yes, hear me out, right? I have a theory behind that, though. Okay. Based on the fact we don't because the ants don't have anything at their capability that could do any harm to us. Whereas humans with the nuclear weapons, this, the act of setting off a nuke and the energy that it disperses through the galaxy could, if there is a, you know, an outside, you know, uh, being or something out in space somewhere, the amount of energy and stuff that is released from a nuke could potentially mess with stuff that is involved with them. Splitting the atom is a very big step in human progress, and it is right. a very destructive thing, I agree. But I would argue that somebody with a sling and a stone would pose, you know, it's just like somebody. No, I'm not saying that. They pose as much of a a threat to a drone with a grenade attached to it. Or let's just go back to the F-22 analogy. You know, would they be concerned? I I don't mean a threat as in we would use nukes against them. But there's a side effect from nukes being detonated that can affect them. True. If in if they wanted our if they wanted yeah. stuff from our planet, or what have you, it is very interesting. I mean, I I agree. I just say we don't know the level of intelligence. If somebody if if there was a race an, an intelligent species that was able to somehow get to you get to Earth, right? And then of course they come to the U.S. right for all our they culture. Would, I mean, if they would obviously go above the White House because <laughs> would that's they would the have pinnacle to. of human achievement. It does make you wonder, though, are we are we the safari animals and we just can't perceive the vessel that they're in and they're taking pictures of us right now, you know? Well, yeah, that dives into the whole thing of if they are someone who is able to manipulate time, space, gravity, what have you, then there's no reason why they couldn't be, have manipulated it in a such a way that they're right above us in the skies, but they've just you know, warped space and time around themselves that they're not physically visible to us. There is, there is a, there is a, like a quote that's, that's used often. It's like the technology was so advanced that it's, it would seem like magic. Yeah. Right. We wouldn't even understand it. I mean, if you took anything, you know, smartphone now back to the, you know, 1911 or something. Yeah. That would seem I mean, obviously you wouldn't have access to the internet because it didn't exist, but even still, you know, you could, I'm sure that, you know, cowboys stuff, they would think. Turning on the flashlight of your iPhone in 1911 would be, would be insane. Or even recording a video, 
and then showing it back to them. You've the captured sound. my soul in your device. Well, 1911, they would have known that. But, you know, that kind of, sure, yeah. like, let's go 1300s or something yeah, like you, that. Yeah, take it back as far as you, you need to. But, yeah, the Middle Ages and stuff, then it really would be. But we also need to understand that our ancestors were also intelligent. and They knew a lot of things. Very and much they so. they learned a lot of things. We went. We talked about the anti-Kithra machine for a little bit, how, how crazy and um, complex that was. So the, the real question is, is if we've been visit, do you think that like Roswell and those those cases could be actual extraterrestrial vehicles? I do. Really? Yes. I believe, and I think that was the what kicked off a lot of things. That, the catalyst. Yeah, my kind of my theory behind it all um, is that after we detonated the first nukes, okay, you know Hiroshima and. Lucky, all these other the ones. testing in the Manhattan the, the, Project, the testing stuff out in the Nevada desert specifically. A, additional testing in like the Bikini Islands, yeah, out the, Soviet out, testing in the oceans. Lots of testing to happen. Underground explosions, lots of those. A lot happened, and I think that that set off an alarm through the universe, or through the galaxy, or a local cluster, like you said. And you know, some other entity was like, "Hold up, okay, so you know, we may have been aware of these things, but they've just." past this line of they're able, you know, they're capable of extreme mass destruction now. And so we need to just go check this out. And they had one of their ships flying to go over near New Mexico and Roswell area to go check it out and kind of just observe, you know, there's been a lot of cases of them showing up around nuclear testing sites and stuff. And it showed up there and, you know, we had some type of, uh, I don't know, magnetic particle gun of some kind or some type of high-energy uh, explosive beam device, some weapon capable of shooting these things down, and we shot one down, and it crashed in the Nevada desert, and we went and retrieved it, and from there decided to go into a whole thing of back-engineering them to try and make them, uh, make them ourselves, and whatnot, but I, I there's a part of me that wholeheartedly believes that that was the initial kickoff event of because there wasn't many sightings or a lot of reports of things before that. Well, there were side there wasn't there, the crashes. There were not yeah, exactly the, the, yeah. the, the, the idea of of flying saucers and crashes were yeah pre Roswell. You have one in Trinity, yeah. right? Yeah, there's, which there's, is there's, uh, Photos and stuff from yeah, like way back in the day, and some the, black and white photos and things. The Trinity things. one's more interesting to me because in in the Trinity one, you the ship hits a like a tower. Now going back to our little banter set session at the beginning, flying UAVs. I imagine if you were not familiar, right, and you you bring a extraterrestrial craft that a Maybe it's designed to go through space. Maybe there's a mothership out there, and this is a um, like a smaller ship that comes off of that. I imagine it would be pretty easy to like miss something like wires. Maybe have an aircraft like it have a um, bird strike, something like that that would actually cause an issue. You right. know. Versus, because what's your, what's your, I don't know that we could have shot it down because we would see that kind of thing, I think, now. I don't think, I think we would be would still, we? I, th I imagine we would. 
I imagine because the seventies. I mean, we talked about we, the we, Cold we've War. We've seen uh, images and instances of you know having large rail guns and, and similar type of electromagnetic propulsion uh, firearms of different kinds and lasers and stuff, and stuff like that. But yeah. we we've we've been we've seen the genesis of that a little bit, and. All I'm saying is I think we would have seen it. We would have used it. Richard Nixon or somebody, you know, like we would have John F. Kennedy. Somebody would have used that in Vietnam to not, you know, to win the war, you know, or whatever. Like we would have seen some type of thing there. But yeah, that one's a crazy one. So that was in 1945, which is a couple of years before yeah. the Trinity. So the Trinity um, UFO debacle, the Trinity UFO crash happened in 1945. And essentially, some some kids watched this this ship come down, hits a um, like a pole, takes it out, and is, it is knocked off course, hits the ground. And there's a couple of like native Spanish speaking like individuals. You know, it's in, it's new. I think it was New Mexico, right? Yes, it, San Antonio there. So you know, there there are a couple like more native. Um, like Spanish speakers yeah, and they go and they, they go to the ship. They see three individuals inside the ship wearing gray coveralls, Mm -hmm. sharp eyes, no mouth, no nose, a little mouth, no nose. And they're terrified. They're alive. The, the creatures are breathing oxygen. They don't have masks on. And the two kids run off. And they, they, they decide that it's better to tell somebody than to try to, like, do more. Right. And it takes, like, two days for the authorities to come, and mm-hmm. the little gray fellas are gone. Of course. I mean, I doubt they would hang out for too long <laughs> around there. But, yeah, that's, that's very kind of spooky and very interesting, though. So the fact that they just didn't kill the two kids. A, if this happened. Right. right. If... If we can determine that this happened, the fact that yeah. they didn't kill the two children. Let's assume, yeah, 100%, yes, factually, 100% happened. They crashed and then came out and saw the children. They saw the children looking at them through the through the hole in the ship that was was gouged out by the, the uh, tower. Yeah. They didn't kill the children, right? They didn't use some type of weapon to kill the children. So, like, are they the bad guys? You know, because if we think about, we watch enough shows, we watch enough TV shows of, like, espionage and that kind of thing, right? And no witnesses, right? You see, you hear that kind of thing. Right. They don't understand that, like, we don't know, like, we're not going to believe to Spanish-speaking kids and that's, <laughs> that we're going to keep their technology, you know, and, and just backwards engineer it and keep it a secret. They might think it's going to be the, the, this is it, you know, they know we're here, right, type of thing. They hmm. also didn't wait around either. Right. Right? So they're gone. They're, they're ghosted us. They're Audi 5000, <laughs> as the Gen Z folks would say. Right. Right. So if they are there, if, if, if creatures or us from the future have come back, you know, that, that makes more sense <laughs> if it was somebody from the future, if it was right. a group of individuals from the future. But they came, already know, you know what humanity is, who we are. So, oh, yeah, there's them. Like, well, they, they should probably go. Well, they shouldn't kill them. You know, they definitely don't want to right. kill them because I mean, if they did, that might get throw off the whole time. Exactly. That's a whole that 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 would be a reason why not to do that, right? Whereas, like, right. I imagine if you were like, you know, extraterrestrial special Voyager forces, and you were here to like map out the planet or do whatever, you would be inclined to leave no witnesses. 
Right. You know, and you would probably have like an exfiltration. Yeah, you plan. wouldn't you wouldn't care. That and that's why I I kind of buy into the theory of at least I mean my theory is also that there are many multiple different species of you know extraterrestrials. But that most of them and that are around and that you know people have interactions with or encounters with are like 95% of them are benevolent. So you think they're like benevolent observers? Yes, that they, that they are, you know, not coming with any malintentions and that they're, you know, they may be here for some reason, I, I don't know, but either way, there's to observe or, you know, I don't know exactly. Well, it, but and it's just like I said it, earlier. It's not to abduct and probe and kill people and all this stuff. Well, it's just like I said earlier, like if, if technology was so advanced, right, that it would seem like magic to us. Mm-hmm. I think there's also an ability when we when we view it through like our lens, right? If there is somebody with that much, like if there is an extraterrestrial species, mm-hmm. right, and they have come here and we, I, there's a chance that just like we couldn't understand their technology Without an autopsy, we probably couldn't understand their feelings. They're, Would they have feelings? Yeah. Are they cold? Are they mindless? Are they, you know, whatever? Are they AI? Are they synths? You know, yeah, exactly. is it just a a synthetic body, like you said, that is a conduit or a essentially a radio to pick up a consciousness that is somewhere else in the galaxy? Because the question does beg itself. I've I've heard that people say that time machines could work like Einsteinian, like in Einsteinian physics, Mm -hmm. a time machine could work. Yeah. Right. But you would need a start point. So like whenever the, essentially they're saying that whenever the first time machine would be made, you Mm -hmm. could always go back to that time machine, but never before. Right. Right. Cause you need like that kind of thing. So what if there is some point in time, there's going to be certain years where if it's us in the future, you would be able to zip back. You know, maybe some type of wormhole that, that zips you back to, yeah. like maybe it's, it's not just a tunnel. Maybe it's a long curve archway that goes backwards. Yeah. You know, I've heard very similar theories talk about that same sort of deal. And, you know, that, that brings in the whole thought of like, yeah, wormholes and everything. Um, I mean, and I saw one example was just talking about the idea of black holes and wormholes and stuff that uh, I'll try to explain the best I can. That if you just took a sheet of paper and you drew a line, or you drew a point A and a point B, and you drew a line between them. Mm-hmm. You know, logically, logically, you'd think the quickest way to get from point A to point B is that line, from one yes. to the other. And you're looking at it on that, you know, single plane, or like, you the know, X, Y plane. But if you pick that piece of paper up, and you fold it, and you touch the dots together. There they are, exactly. Instantaneous. Yeah, that's very, like, that. I've seen that done a lot of times by physicists they, when they try yeah. to talk about, like, wormhole travel and that kind of thing. That could be the concept behind that, that, yeah. It, but if it was also a loop, not only is that sheet of paper there, instead of talking about a distance, because here's what we do, we always talk about, like, well, this is here, mm-hmm. and this is there, as in physical spots. Right. If that was temporal, Right. If you, if the same thing could apply, you, you fold those to that, those pieces of paper, you make those dots touch. And in that, in fact, you actually have like a temporal way to travel to the well, past. And that's the that kind of dips in a little bit of the fact of, you know, time itself being its own dimension of source that you have, mm-hmm. you know, the first, second, and you know, third dimension. We live in a three dimensional space in our daily lives. You know, you have length, width, and height kind of thing, X, Y, and Z. But then you throw in time as this fourth thing that is, 
you know, all encompassing and all within it. And time, you know, is affected somewhat by our own sense of gravity, right? You know, just like if you were to be, just like when we send our astronauts up, right? Because they experience less gravity than us, they, they experience time in a different way. Right. So they go up there. So if you were to take a astronaut's watch and, um, you know, put it on there, have it synchronized with somebody on Earth, when that person would go into space, their watch would be slower than the person on Earth's would, right? And you kind of see that like with Interstellar where they kind of delve into that like a little bit where that like, mm-hmm. you know, because the black hole is there or whatever. But it's also like gravity, I don't think, it, as a matter of fact, it's not it's the, it's the experience, I'm sorry, it's not gravity that's affecting it. It's the speed that they're traveling at. Yeah. Associated yeah, to light. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not gravity. I, I was that. going interstellar with it. It is actually the, the speed at which they're traveling in right. relation to light. And I've heard that they, yeah, if you were able, if a human was physically able to withstand traveling at the speed of light, then... You essentially would not age. Right. Of. Yeah. Yeah. That you could, you know, travel to the other side of, you know... If you, if you traveled somewhere at the speed of light, like if you traveled to P- Pluto and then you came back, yeah. um, then you wouldn't have aged the same amount that people on Earth would have yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah, it's... I heard a long discussion about that years ago and stuff, and it was very interesting. I forget, you know, where it was or who was talking about it or whatever. Well, and there's a book. There's a book I like. It's called The Forever War. It's written by a Vietnam veteran, and I, w- I don't know who, I can't remember the guy's name offhand. Mm. It's a good book, though. And he is... Essentially, extraterrestrials have been found. They get the soldiers, you know, he gets conscripted, um, joins the military, and travels on a faster-than-light ship. Joe Haldeman. Right. Joe Haldeman is his name. Um, Vietnam veteran. So they get on this faster-than-light ship to go fight these aliens, right? And because they're traveling faster than light or close to the speed of light or whatever, they... They, he returns to Earth, and Earth has changed. So this book was written in 1974, right? Oh, wow. So he's got a pretty... It's pretty interesting, the ideas that he had. Um, That's cool. I never heard of that. It's good. I've got it. I'll let you borrow it if you want. I won't read it sometime. It's not that big a read. Um, but that he returns to Earth, and you kind of see like these analogies from his time as a soldier with the United States Army, uh, Marine Corps, I think, which I can't remember which one he was, but returning to to earth and it's 200 or 300 years have passed and everything's different. Right. Like he comes back and he can't cope because it's like getting out of prison. He, everything has changed United States army. So everything has changed. He goes back and everybody he knows is dead and he doesn't know like, right. right. He's dealing with that. So you see a lot of like parallels and eventually he tries to stay on earth for a little bit and tries to do his own thing, but the earth has gotten so out of hand. There's like raiders and like whatever else. And it's just not that fun to be in. And he winds up going back out again, back right? out to space. He winds up going back and joining the military again, reenlisting. Oh. Right. So he reenlists again for just, for just for not being able to like cope with the current climate that he, he's come back to. He just, okay. he's, he's, he's essentially not from here anymore. You right. Know? And so he joins and he goes back out. 
I think he winds up getting wounded. This is sort of a spoiler alert for the Forever War, but it's been <laughs> out since 1974. He winds up getting wounded or something to that effect. And um, he winds up back on Earth again, but he wound up having a love interest who was also in the military. And he can't really get back to her now because of the time difference. And in the end, it's kind of nice. It's kind of like a cute, it has, it has a, a pretty happy ending where okay. it turns out they were actually doing these jumps for a while just so they, that he could get back with them. It's, it's explained scientifically in the book, but yeah. he is eventually able to get back to her and they have their own life on another planet now, you know, That's cool. at the end of it. But it is interesting because in 1974, he had this idea that is very advanced. I would say now, obviously there was plenty of people that understood this kind of, you know, yeah. these kind of physics, but, um, you know, he has a degree in physics and astronomy. And so he had like that kind of background in it. And then after his experience in, in, in Vietnam war, he turned it into what's like a, a decent book. You know, I, yeah, I would suggest that people go out there and, and check it out. Cause it's, it's definitely up there. It's one of the, it's a sci-fi classic for sure. Yeah, for sure. Check that out. Go look that up. So I think that's interesting as well. Like, you know, we never know. I, so and this is going to get you into one of my books, one of my book theories, one oh. of the books I'm writing currently. Oh, right. So one of the books that I'm writing. So for those that don't know, I'm a, t- I'm a writer who never finishes his work. I think that's kind of like a, I think it's most of them. I think it's a character. So, but I, I'm too lazy to actually do it slash too scared of having it torn apart by the, by the masses, by critics and stuff, by yeah. critics or, you know, like not doing a good job or people thinking my stories suck. But yeah. one of my stories I've, the title tentatively is called like the gardener returns. It, it takes place from like a, a journalist and it starts out like kind of in like the prologue or whatever with a journalist is privy to this, essentially these beacons set down all over earth. Like they can't be hidden. Like it's not something that can be like, um, that you can just like, the black, you know, the men in black come in. Like it's very prevalent. Like there's multiple of them that land all over the place, right? And oh, okay, it, I see what you're saying. It gives credence, like, oh, there is an like a rival kind of deal, sort of, but smaller than that. Okay. Smaller than that. Essentially, they're like kind of unmanned vehicles. That kind of concept that these things just land and appear all over the world, sort of deal. Appear all over the world, and the they're like. There's nobody inside of them. They're like their own kind of craft mm-hmm. and they're requesting, like it's like a specific request for their, like we, they want medical and like information on vaccines and all that kind of stuff. Oh. And after like 10 days, 20 days, they leave. So it takes place. The first chapter starts out with like a, a journalist, right? And he's excited because there was a countdown on that for when they would return. Mm. Right. So he's excited and it starts out with the first chapter and it's like leading up to zero hour. Yes. And what happens is, and this is, this is an interesting theory. I think it turns out that we are part of a, not only are we part of like intergalactic community where there are alien species, but we are part of a, a, a galactic empire that we are beholden to mm. and that we are subject to the rules of. And they have come long ago and conscripted us into their military forces. And because of the faster than light speed travel that essentially the veterans from that war, including like Neanderthals and humans and that kind of thing are returning to earth now. Wow. I want to see and this now movie. They're, now they're going to, cons- and, and now the journalist gets conscripted into the next batch. Right. And you have people that would resist it and you would have like the, 
Huh. You, you're also going to have some characters that are coming back who are not happy with this galactic empire. Yeah. And then you have the people that are like resistant to that empire, you know, on earth. And then, then you have like the people who are like the, no, this is the only way who we fought for them. We own this place now, you know, 30,000 years later, 20,000 years right. later. Right. That's pretty cool. I would read that or watch that. If that was a movie, I'd totally watch that for a TV so, series. Yeah, and then, series. so then you know that, that would be the 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 that would be like the first book, and you know it would kind of end with them going into the arriving, yeah. you know the the conscripts, this this new journalist arriving, and then you would actually get into the galactic conflict, and then you would almost get him returning again to another Earth. Well, that's like cool. twenty thousand years from now, thirty thousand years from now. Yeah, and what is it going to be? You know, that's cool. I have heard. Uh, a lot of talk about too about that in in reality as a theory of this kind of uh galactic um oh, first word problem is just senate but that makes me think of star wars but a, a, gal- okay. a galactic council of some kind that is made up of multiple uh species and races and things i think there was a who was he he was a like a, a, some kind of general maybe of an israeli general or Something I'll have. I'll, uh, I, I, I think vaguely I know what you're talking about. You're talking about like he was like a, I think he was like an Israeli Air Force general, general or something like that. That yeah, out, out of retirement or something, he came out and was it, it directly mentioning that that you know they knew of this galactic council that exists of like 13 different species, and that you know we hadn't reached the point that we were you know capable of being part of it yet as humanity or something like that. But that was. I, I kind of saw the headline on that. This is maybe a couple of years ago, but that was kind of an interesting read for sure to think about that, that you know, what if there is this Senate or this uh, council that exists out in space that we're just not advanced enough or have earned our place in yet. And, you know, the thing is too, is when I think about that and just like my book, right. My, my book is obviously totally my work, work of my head and what the things I've seen, but that's assuming that like we're putting just like we would put like human care, like when we talk about animals being cute or we talk about animals having like a lot of personality, right? We're putting like human things into them. Yeah. So the idea that it is possible that there would be some type of collective or some type of governance, right? But if you had a hive mind of... Yeah, if, of if you're not a, even a, yeah, like a physical being as we yeah like i see what you're saying that we're kind of humanizing them in a sense we are humanizing them in a sense that we would even that there would even be a governing body yeah right or that they care enough about us to be like you can join us so you just got to do better it's a it's a little utopian in my view but i think it is possible i like that idea and like i said i'm even writing about it and the fact that we are part of this empire that spans multiple multiple um gal you know galaxies but spans multiple solar systems and that kind yeah. of thing and that there is an intergalactic war and but it could the, very well be that there that that exists but also this mass consciousness consciousness exists as a hive well. mind for example yeah. a hive mind like a bees or whatever like they're, they're yeah. it's just there it's just like this ingrained almost like there's there are several other animals that it's just like there's a pecking order automatically you know even cattle have a pecking order like automatically yeah. they automatically know who's the boss right that could be ingrained just from the very beginning so we have to be cautious like of i think anybody from the government coming in and they talk about things that are too human yeah right because if they say well there's a galactic Senate and a galactic council, you know, um, or whatever. I think you can almost get lost in that. Just like a, uh, like dealing with a, 
Scientology or something to that effect, right? Like we have to be cautious of like, are there people that are writing things for the government for them to be able to do things that they, we don't want to do? Right. You know, but and it's, it's kicking off. We're seeing so many UAP, so many UFA, UFO things. Now, some of it, from what I understand, is that we've changed and we've altered the way our radar signatures work or our radar detection works. And that's the reason why we've been p- detecting more things that we wouldn't have. We, we have a change of the scale, so it's picking up smaller stuff. So we're not, now we're shooting ham radio balloons down, quote yeah. unquote, ham radio balloons down, or Chinese weather balloons or whatever, spy balloons. Yeah, it's still, I still find it a little suspicious that they just, like, well, we're just going to stop looking for any kind of debris, and we're not going to tell you about any of it, and blah, blah, blah. And that is a problem, you know, and not to sound, you know, too Alex Jones here, but to, that is a problem with deep state. People are incompetent. Oh, yes. So the idea that they are more competent to understand or deal with anything than the general public is, is is asinine. And I think that, honestly, they might not just know. Right. So let's see what this is. Yeah, I pulled up this, uh, found the article for the formal, former Israeli space security chief says aliens exist, humanity not ready. Oh, the Galactic Federation, that's what it was. Okay. Has been in contact with Israel and the U.S. for years, but are keeping themselves secret to prevent hysteria until humanity is ready. Which is, which is silly. Like, why? A. Why yeah. would they can be concerned with our level of hysteria? Right. What? Why would we be concerned about? You know, nobody steps in when the ants are doing their death spiral, right? <laughs> and they're walking in circles. Yeah. We don't step in. You know, why would they be concerned that like we um, are? are an issue. Like we're going to be like, Oh, we're, Oh no, there's alias. It would be over pretty quick. (laughs) Like we've seen stuff that like indicates that there could be extraterrestrial craft on our planet and it's been in the mainstream news and then it's gone. Yeah. Overnight. You know, like the, the, I've not heard anybody talk about those UFOs or the Chinese weather balloon, you know, because the, the, the the news cycle is over with. It was hype for a week or two and then yeah, it's gone. If we are part of this galactic federation and there's, we could be, Right. Maybe we're part of it. Maybe we're like a ancillary, you know, planet and it's claimed by somebody else, but they don't care. You know, like if you were a surf in like the feudal system, you know, your life is just shoveling poop, you know, or doing whatever. You don't really care so much about what else is going on. Right. Your life is your life and you're living it. Um, I think that's one thing we have to be careful of is when governments, what are governments trying to do? to get one over on us or whatever by utilizing because they know, well, this is bigger than you can imagine, right? No, it's not. No, it's not. We We have pretty big imaginations. There's 350 people in the United States alone, right? 350 people. 350 million. (laughs) 350 million people. Yes. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, right? The majority of them don't work for the U.S. government. Yeah. The majority of them don't work for local government, Right majority of them are intelligent people. Yes. You have to treat people like they're intelligent. Very intelligent. I think there are other nation states that would also be aware of this that might treat their people more intelligently than they do. And I think that's one of those things that I'm I'm cautious of any notion that we know anything about this stuff. Mm. And I'm also interested, like, is this, you know, is this observer theory where they're coming here and they're looking at us? Right. Like, is it for good or is it for bad? Because if it is if it is a cryogenic ship, right, mm. and they've been studying this for fifty years, right, and it took them eight thousand years to get here, yeah, 
or whatever, you know, their civilization still got to be around now to want to do anything, to do something with that, to do something with that information. So what are they going to do with it? You know, are they waiting until we gas ourselves out? Maybe they're like, Hey, unless it's one of those, you know, that you've seen like video games or something that is like a flotilla of that. The entire species and civilization exist on a, you know, flotilla of ships out in space. The Cylons were created by man, and they rebelled. I was thinking the Quarians. The Quarians, too. I know. <laughs> well, it made me think of Battlestar Galactica, right? You hey, know? It's all awesome. That one ends with us being, <laughs> them landing on Earth, remember? Yeah. Battlestar Galactica does. Um, yeah. You know, or the fact that there is, the, there is like, creation theory. There is intelligent design theory that goes with that. You mm-hmm. know, you see, like, Prometheus or, the, you know, the Aliens series, for yeah. example, right? Where there are the engineers, you know? Right, and and I even you know, again my own personal opinions and stuff coming to that a little bit that I think that you know the a a creation theory and stuff and plus the existence of extraterrestrial stuff can all still coexist. I as agree. Well. I agree that it can all commingle. I think there yeah. has to be a broader. There needs to be a broad look at everything. Yeah. Um. If we rem- remember though, in Prometheus, when we finally do get to talk to an engineer. Engineer's not happy. Rips his head off. Rips off the rips off Michael Fassbender alien head. Destroys him. <laughs> right, and then he kills the he kills the guy that's been waiting to see him for this whole time. The guy that owns what what was the industries? Uh, uh, I, don't I forget what it was. Uh, Yelani or Wayla, Wayla, I forget what it was. Wayland Industries. Wayland Industries. Wayland. Yeah, it's something cool. It, yeah. But they kill that guy, and they were like the dad. They were like the father of us. Right. They were. He was part of the species that helped us start yeah so i think just like politics change right you know a roman citizen from 67 bc would probably never imagine that they would become an empire right right they're like we used to be a kingdom now we're not now we're in republic right we're never gonna be an empire that's silly yeah i I do like that that our government though that at least you know even if even though i take all of it with a grain of salt you know, that you hear any headline and stuff, I, you know, only, like I said, I don't take a grain of salt until I do research into it myself. But all that being considered, I do like that there's at least some conversation happening around this as a topic, the topic of like UAPs or potential extraterrestrials or all this stuff. Um, I, I'm glad that there's at least some conversation, that it's becoming destigmatized to the point that there is at least some conversation happening about it at official positions and, and official levels and in little podcast studios in Western and North in little, Carolina. little podcast studios you know i agree you know but the, the, the question is who who are the gatekeepers of the knowledge mm. who watches the watchman right. right and you know what do, what do they know that we don't and what do we know that they don't you mm. know good point i don't know I think it'd be fun to really dive into some of these actual things and get into like different oh yeah um, uh, scenarios in the future. There's a lot of uh, you know abduction cases or you know UFO sightings or particular events that have happened around this topic that I, w- I would like to, like you said, take you know one by one and kind of actually dive into them and discuss them. Yeah, and pick them apart a little bit. But uh, I think it's important to kind of just hit this topic as a high level, you know, twenty thousand foot view. Yeah. From the spaceship. From the spaceship. You guys are our yeah. crew because you joined us on Patreon. Yes. And, you know, just taking a, just giving you, A, some of our thoughts and just kind of riffing here because this is one of those things that, like, 
this is a conversation that any one of you I could take to Chili's or any one of you I could take to somewhere nice if you were don't uh, go to if Chili's. you were above a stowaway or something like yeah, that. Don't go to Chili's. Go somewhere nicer than that, at least. Wherever you guys want to go. I you guys, I like you enough. I'll take you wherever. Uh I love our fans. But yeah. I would say that this is one of those things where I would want to um I could have this conversation with any person that's willing to talk to me about it and who has like, who's not just like, eh, you're stupid. Oh, the UFOs. Right. No, no, no. Eh, they don't exist. Yeah. Aliens are, you know, a bunch of sci-fi blue. Which is it, which is a valid thought, but it's not, I don't think it's that great of an idea. No, and I, I think, I, I think, I think it's, it's somewhat, important to talk about. Yeah. I think it's somewhat ignorant to think that we are the only thing in this universe. Well, I don't though. Remember I, early on, I said, I don't for because of time, because of the way time works, mm. right? And really, everything that's happened is still a speck in like... That's true. All the time that has, you know, Earth in, as its own thing has existed is but just, yeah, a, a, a pinprick of time. A pinprick of time. So for us, it's huge. It's giant. Yeah. It's vast because we put numbers on Billions it. of years. Billions and trillions and whatever. 38 billion years ago, right? It's what they what they pinpoint is like the beginning like of the universe. That's what they say. So... That um, could be nothing, though. Exactly. So we could be the first sentient species that's ever existed. Yeah. And that, like I said, to me, that's just as possible as anything else. Or we're the only ones still around because everybody gets to the state that we're in now. Yeah. And geeks don't fight together well enough. And we all destroy ourselves. End up blowing yourselves up. Right. We all walk hand in hand into, you know, the black. Or into the the bright flash of light. (laughs) Exactly. You know, which I don't want to do. I want to be around and I want to play, uh, I want to play star citizen with you or something. Right. Or some more battlefront. I like that idea. Yeah. Well, like I said, geeks fight better together. We uh, do. And, um, geeks should also follow us on our Instagram at geek ETC podcast and our Twitter at geek ETC podcast on YouTube at geek ETC podcast. What do you know? And we have a website. We do at geekETCpod.com. We couldn't get the cast for some reason. It was it was like fifteen thousand dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so can't fork that up. <laughs> can't yet. fork that out. Yeah. Maybe so one day. Uh, follow us on there. Be yeah. part of the conversation. Send us messages. I'll try to respond. Josh will try to respond as quickly as we can. Yeah. We have a lot of episodes planned for the future of covering all yeah. range of geeky topics, and you know, yeah. join we want the crew. From you. And we want you to join the crew. Yeah. Again, it's patreon.com slash geekETCpodcast. Hey, let's fight these aliens together if they ever come around and they do want to fight. Or let's let's welcome them. Let's take them to Chili sometime. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do that. Anyways, thanks for listening, people. Keep geeking out. <laughs>